for about half hour, 25, uh, 35 minutes. It's just going to give you a little, we're just going to encourage you guys in the Lord. And then we'll break and we'll dismiss because I know some of you have to go. But at the end of the service following that, Keith is going to minister. So there's going to be, if you need prayer, we're going to lay hands on people. There's, you know, activate some prophetic word. If you need encouragement, you need ministry, at the end of the service following the dismissal, um, there'll be an opportunity for that. And I encourage you guys to stick around and be a part of that as well. So uh, right now, if you guys would give me, do me a favor and welcome Keith as he comes to share with us this morning. Good morning. Good morning. What a beautiful baby. Amen. It's a beautiful baby. Amen. Get the privilege of seeing such a precious little baby dedicated to the Lord. Amen. Everybody having a good morning? Everybody having a good morning? Yeah. My name's Keith Miller. I'm from Amarillo, Texas. Anybody been to Amarillo? No? Anybody here of Amarillo? Everybody hears Amarillo because the song, right? Amarillo by morning. I went to England. The first time I went to England to preach, I was in a place and the place was full. And I said, I'm from Amarillo, Texas. And I'm sure none of you have ever heard of Amarillo, Texas. And I said, right. And I said, how many have ever heard of Amarillo, Texas? And every hand in the place went up. And I went, what? They must not be understanding my Texas draw, right? So I said, let's ask this again. How many of you have ever heard of Amarillo, Texas? And again, I'm in England and right outside of London, and every hand in the place went up. I went, what? And so to come to find out the number one song right in England at that time was, can you show me how to get to Amarillo? So... It's great to be here. I appreciate the pastors having me in. I understand the privilege and the honor of being invited to fill the pulpit. I pastored for several years, so I understand the trust that's put in and for me to be here, so I'm very grateful for the opportunity. I do feel like I have a message that you'll be blessed by. I'll be reading out of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. Paul's writing here. He's come to the church in Corinth, and he's actually, I love the way he comes in the heart that he comes before the people. He actually says, I come in much fear and trembling, and I only want to know one thing, and that's Jesus and him crucified. So basically, Paul is saying, I'm coming to you, and I only have one heart's desire is that Jesus would be lifted up and be made known. And Paul, in this the reason why he could say that, because in Galatians chapter 1, Paul was previously, before he was born again, a student or a one who had studied the Torah very powerfully. So he was a well-educated man. So when he comes before the church and he says, I only want to know Jesus and him crucified, he's saying, I'm putting aside everything of knowledge from what I've learned, and I only want to share with you by the Holy Spirit. And that's where we pick up right here, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, and he says, my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Holy Spirit in power, and then he tells you why, that your faith should not be in 
the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So Paul makes a profound statement here. As you can see on the board, he says, my speech and my preaching. So he's not just talking about his preaching. He's actually talking about any time he's sharing about the things of Jesus. He doesn't just want to receive, share information, but he's wanting to receive, release revelation. There's a big difference between information and revelation. Information speaks to the intellect and the reasoning of people, where the revelation speaks to the spirit of God that begins to minister your spirit inside. Uh, one builds up pride, one builds up the kingdom. So when Paul comes, he comes humbly and says, hey, I only want to come to you with by the power, notice he said, by the power of the Holy Spirit, but also by the Spirit. Now, notice he says spirit and power here, and he's asking for a demonstration of both the power of God and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He actually asks for demonstration, and the word demonstration there in the Greek means this. Very, very easy. Prove, evident, or confirm. Prove, confirm, or evidence of. My background was when I first I got born again, I was a third-generation alcoholic. I didn't just drink, I got drunk every day. That's how I lived my life, was I, I didn't want to drink every morning. I said I wasn't going to drink anymore, and that night I would get drunk again. It was, I was under an iniquity of curse because I was under a generational curse passed on to me from my father's father's father's. And when I got born again, I had been praying for my wife. When I was driving down a lonely stretch of highway between two towns in Amarillo, up in the panhandle, there was nothing between them for 30 minutes. And they had just given my wife a dire report of a disease that she couldn't be cured of. So when I said I was very successful at the time as an electrician, had several different electrical shops, the Lord had really blessed me, even though I was a heathen. He had blessed me in a tremendous way. And so I said, well, we'll just, whatever it costs. And they said, you don't understand. We can't cure this. We can only treat this. And so that pretty much upset me because my world was literally around my wife and my sons. And that was it. So I'm driving between two job locations and headed home. And I simply say a prayer. This was, this was my great prayer. Hey, God, how about healing my wife? Well, for one, how did I even know he healed? You know what I mean? I mean, how did I even know that? And so then, I, every time I ever got in trouble, I, I got thrown in jail for drinking all the time and, and doing different stuff, you know, fighting. Always, I always thought I was rough when I drunk, got drunk, and I always lost every time, you know what I mean? But uh, so every time I got in trouble, I'd call on God as a spare tire. Hey, God, get me out of this. Hey, God, will you help me with this? Hey, God, how many times have you ever said, I'll never do this again? And so I always did it again, you know what I mean? And so, but this, so I prayed. I said, hey, God, how about healing my wife? And all of a sudden, as I'm driving, all of a sudden when I say that prayer, I hear audibly, okay, I will. Now, how about, I don't know about you, but this, this guy was kind of freaked out, man. I hadn't been drinking yet, so... I was sober, and so I slammed on my brakes out in the middle of nowhere, pulled over the side, and jumped out of my pickup and was looking all around. What in the world is going on? I had an extended cab truck. I looked in the back seat. I'm saying, is somebody in my back seat? Man, what is going on? And so I'm shaking everything, and so I get back in my truck, and I'm driving, and I'm shaking, and then I heard this, but where am I the rest of the time in your life? And I just like, what is going on? And 
But at that moment, it's like, you ever see the uh, flashback uh, 60 music commercials? They start taking you through all the 60s sound, maybe the 70s, maybe for some of you the 90s. But you go back through the fast track of all the great hits for the year. Well, that started seeing my life just go right before me. And I realized how empty and how broken and how bitter I was. I began to cry, and I hadn't cried since I was 12 years old because I, I said I would never, nobody would make me cry and I would never cry ever again. My heart began to be broken because of the love of God. I began to weep intently, weep, 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 weep. Got home, called my wife at the doctor. She started to go for her first treatment, and I called her at the doctor, and I said, hey, can I, you know, we're in a small town, so I know the nurse, and I said, hey, can I talk to Janet? They get her on the phone. I said, babe, what are they saying? She said, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? She said, they're reversing everything. They're saying there's no trace of it. I just got a little tendonitis in one of my knees. I'm fine. Well, I didn't even let her finish. I hung up the phone. I got down on my knees right there and received Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. It was powerful. It was life-changing for me. And I was literally one of those guys that didn't even recognize himself after that day. I couldn't even know how to, I'd learn how to talk again, you know, <laughs> how to think again, everything. It was awesome. I was so happy that the next day after it took place, I went to the same place as I always did, and I went to this feedlot, to this mill, and went in there, and I was working, and the bosses come, got me, and they said, we need to talk to you right now. I go, what's the matter? But trouble, and they said, no, we need to talk to you in the office right now. I said, okay, I went in there. There's like eight of them in there, and they all looked at me, and you know what they said to me? What is going on? They probably thought I was drunk, you know. And I said, what, what? And they said, this is the first time we've ever seen you happy. And it was the first place I got to preach Jesus and led seven of them to the Lord right there in their office. It was awesome. So immediately I got, I started going to a, my whole family and I started going to a Baptist church. And I told my wife, I waited, this was like on a Tuesday, and I waited till Sunday to make sure this stuck, you know. Because I had told her many times, I'll never drink again. I got religion now, man. I got religion. And so I wanted to make sure it was a real deal before I told her. And on Sunday morning at our house, the usual routine was all four of the boys' feet. You'd hear them running down the hallway. They'd open up our bedroom door, and they would all jump on our bed, and we'd wrestle for all Sunday morning. That would be our thing. But here they all come, and they all jump into my bed. I say, stop, guys, stop. Well, they didn't stop because they knew that was one of my tactics. I'd tell them, stop, you're going to break something, and I'd get them. You know what I mean? It still works today for about 10 seconds. And so I told them, stop, stop, we're going to church. Of course, they all started laughing at me. Right, Dad, right. No, we're all going to church. Yeah, okay, that ain't going to work. And my wife started laughing. I said, no, we're all going to church this morning. She, they go, no, we, we can't go to church. I said, no, we're going to church. And my wife goes, what church? I said, I don't know, we'll try them all. <laughs> I didn't know what church to go to. I didn't know how many churches. I lived in Groover, a little town of 1,200 people, and I didn't know they had like 15 churches, you know what I mean? It was crazy. I said, well, we'll just try them all. And then my wife said, well, we don't have church clothes. I said, well, what's church clothes? <laughs> I said, what are church clothes? 
She said, well, you got to have a suit, and the boy's got to have nice slacks and a nice tie and shirt, and I have to have a nice dress. I said, okay, then we're going to Guyman, and we're going to buy all this stuff, and we'll go tonight. So we will jump in the vehicle, go to Guyman, and bought all these clothes. I bought me a double-breasted, nice gray suit. I had hair down to here, you know, and I wore that. And so they, all the boys were real nice. Janet was this beautiful dress. So we are going to go to the First Baptist Church of Groover, and we said, we'll go in. It starts at 6. We'll show up at 6. 6.20, so nobody will notice us. So at 6.20, we all walk in. It's so funny because, you know, Janice's right beside me, and then you have four little boys right behind me, and we step in, and, of course, you go into the foyer. Nobody was in there. We're pretty safe. And we open up the double doors and go to sit down, and everybody in the place turned around and looked at us. You know why? Because they were in Levi's and Farmer Viv overhauls and everything, and here we are all dressed up. And it actually caused the preacher to go... Ooh, like that, I went, oh, man, so much for being unnoticed, right? Come a good friend of mine, a mentor, the pastor became my mentor, and I asked him, uh, I said, what did you think about that day when I stepped into that church? He goes, you want me to tell you the truth? I said, yeah. He said, I was thinking, man, who invited that guy? <laughs> but immediately I got a tremendous hunger for the things of God, immediate. It wasn't something I learned to have. I instantly had a deep hunger for God. And the reason why I had the deep hunger for God, this first time in my life, I had felt free. For the first time in my life, I actually felt like I was floating. And let me tell you, you know, I did some drinking and some partying, so I know about some floating, man, you know. And so <laughs> I know about that. But this was different. It was so powerful, I didn't even want to talk more than above a whisper. Because I was afraid it would leave. You know, I don't know what this is, but I like it. Right? So I said, I want to know everything there is to know about this that just happened to me. So I instantly got into the scripture. And every time I would read something, the moment I'd read it, I didn't know any better. Didn't have anybody teach me anything. I just said, okay, I want it. Okay, I want it. Okay, I want it. That's the way I learned the Bible. Okay, I want it. Okay, I want it. I just took it, man. I just, that's what thing that happened in my life. The moment I, got, I heard the audible voice of God, got born again, and every time I read something in the Bible, I'd go, I want it. I want it. And then I wouldn't shut up about it till I got it. I wouldn't, because one of the first scriptures I read was Ephesians 5.18. Everybody knows Ephesians 5.18, where Paul says, Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, you got to understand that the Lord gave me that scripture, and I just come out of being a drunk. So how many of y'all know that got my attention? It actually says in the NLT in the Bible, it says, don't be drunk with wine. It will ruin your life. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> but then the alternative was what? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that word there does not mean one time. It means be constantly refreshed in your soul, which is not your spirit, being filled like the overflow of a cup being so poured out with water that you're constantly receiving refreshing. How many know we're supposed to be filled fresh every day in our mind, will, and emotions of our life? Amen? So I said, I went to my closet. I had cleared down a closet, and I said, okay, God, I want this. I want this Holy Spirit guy. <laughs> That's what I told him. I said, I didn't know how we're supposed to do this. Can I have the Holy Spirit guy? Can I have this? I want this guy. I want this one. I want to be drunk every day with this guy. What's it feel like to be drunk with this guy? 
And man, I got hit. I tell you, I was in my own closet. Whoa, what was that? Man, I started loving my closet. You know what I mean? Every time I'd go in there, I'd get more drunker with the Holy Ghost than I did with natural stuff. It was awesome. And so I just, but every time I'd just be freshness with him, and I just, the Bible would open up to me, and I was just eating the word. And my brother was an Assembly of God pastor at the time, and he'd been praying for me for years. He called me, he said, I, I said, hey, yeah, I got saved. He said, I'll be right down there. And I said, okay. And so he said, I'm a, I want you to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I said, I want anything that has to do with that Holy Spirit guy. Come on. <laughs> And so he, my brother shows up, and he drives up from Lindale over by Austin. He comes to my house, and he sit, we go in my front room, and he starts praying for me. He goes, wow, man, you got it all, didn't you? I said, I hope so. <laughs> so I've always had a relationship with the Holy Spirit. How many are glad for the Holy Spirit? It's the riches of God for you and I. And so it's amazing because I, I start going to a Baptist church, and you would think they would automatically begin to embrace me but you got to understand that I'm spirit filled and uh, they say they are but they are but they're not baptized with the Holy Spirit which is different than being spirit filled and so they invited me and immediately they saw what the Lord has been doing in my life so they invited me to one of their prayer meetings I said you're inviting me to your prayer meeting he said yeah the pastor said we want you to come with the deacons and uh, leaders of the church and come to our prayer meeting I said really okay yeah I had just been saved like a month and he said will you come we want you to come I said well yeah I'll come I want to pray all I can pray man let's do it so I get there and I pray like I pray in my closet right the power of God hits me I'm on the floor in the middle of all these guys and I'm praying and praying praying and I looked up and they were all just going what in the world is that guy doing they kind of like from that moment were like whoa who's this guy you know and I I said I thought that's the way you prayed you know and so (laughs) And so that's just the way from that moment, from that for the next month, those guys wouldn't even hardly talk to me. They would just like, oh, let's look at that guy right there, man. Just, just move away from me. But then they had what they call Fifth Sunday Night at the Baptist Church. And the Fifth Sunday Night at the Baptist Church is every fifth Sunday that has five Sundays in a month. You get to do whatever you want to. The church, the congregation gets to share prophetic words, songs, whatever. They don't do prophetic words or encouragement. So they had a Fifth Sunday Night. And so they were up there sharing different stuff. And I'm sitting in the second pew, and my whole family's with me in the second pew. And I feel this boom, 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 boom. And I'm going, what's this boom, 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 boom? And I heard. And then the, the, the deacon says, does anybody else have anything else to say? And I heard, you do, you do, you do, you do, you do. I go, no, I don't. No, I don't. No, I don't. You do. You do. No, I don't. No, I don't. Because these guys already think I'm like Looney Tunes. You know what I mean? And so, uh, more, and wasn't it crazy? Is the more I heard, yes, you do. No, I don't. The more I was getting like really built up and, you know, and finally I just jump up out of the pew and start kind of like running to the pulpit. And my wife and boys go, oh, like that. I heard my wife go, oh, no, you know. That's what I heard. And so I get behind that. They have a pulpit. 
it's a huge pulpit, you know, it's big, it's everything. And I get up there, and I'm thinking, what am I supposed to say? So I don't know what to say. I don't have anything to say. So I just say, well, I just know that uh, Icky, Icky Wood, who played for Cincinnati Bengals at the time, does the Icky Wood shuffle every time he makes a touchdown. And I know Michael Jordan, he does the, the slam dunks. And it's all I can say for what has happened in my life. What Jesus has done for me is go, and I did that at the Baptist church. Yeah. And everybody just sat there and looked at me. And so what did I do? I can't believe I did. I went, yeah. Man. And then they still, they went, oh. and I said, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. you got to understand, I'd been sitting for 10 minutes in the pew going, no, I don't. Yes, you do. No, you don't. So it was built up. So when I had to let all of that out, and so by the fourth one, I had one kid, one kid jump up in the second pew. You know, the teenager pews, the, he jumps up, and he goes, yeah, back to me. and went, there we go. Yeah. And so for the next five minutes, people were doing, yeah, back to forth each other. And then the other kids started getting all kinds of encouragement. And so I had the two rows of the junior high and teenagers doing the yeah with me. Yeah. And, I was going, and here comes that deacon. Okay, Mr. Miller, you can go sit down now. <laughs> they told me. So I get a call from the pastor because he wasn't there that night. The next day he says, Keith, can I talk to you? And oh, yeah, this is going to be one of those. Bring you in the carpet team. So I get there. He goes, hey, man, what happened last night? Uh, uh, uh. He goes, I heard it was awesome. I go, yeah, it was. <laughs> and he goes, we want you to talk to the youth. I said, to the youth? And I was glad he thought it was awesome because the first kid that jumped up was his son. <laughs> the pastor's boy. I thought I was safe now. He goes, yeah, the kids really like you. I was thinking, yeah, but some of them other people didn't like me too much. He said, we want you to come and talk to the youth. I said, what do you talk to them about? He said, what's happening in your life with the Lord? I said, well, what are you supposed to tell them? He said, just what God's doing. I said, well, how many kids? He said, 15, no more than 15 kids. I said, 15, that's all. He goes, yeah, because, you know, teenagers can be intimidating, man. You know what I mean? And so I don't know what to do. I'm not a preacher. I don't know how to do any of this stuff. And he says, yeah, just share how God's touched your heart and changed you from your drinking and stuff. I said, okay, yeah, I'll do it. So they asked me to do that. And on Wednesday, uh, it was going to be Wednesday night, and this was Monday. So to, I went to the store and bought an old tape recorder. Remember the old tape recorders? You had to push play and record at the same time. Now, some of you don't remember, but they were real. <laughs> and you would talk into them. Well, I bought one of those tape players. I went into the bathroom and shut myself so my wife and kids couldn't hear me. And I would practice preaching in that tape player. And then I'd play it back, and I thought, man, you are terrible. <laughs> I told myself, you're terrible. I was thinking about calling and saying, I'm not doing this thing. And uh, so Wednesday, night, Wednesday came, and so I owned an electrical business and had run several crews, and so I had sent out my crews, and I took the afternoon off, and I set myself in the office and uh, my prayer closet, and all afternoon I prayed one thing. 
I learned to pray like this. And I prayed Acts chapter 2. I prayed Acts chapter 2. I said, can I see the fire today? Will you bring the fire? I want to see the fire. Can I see what the wind looks like? Can I see what the wind looks like? Will you come into the gym tonight in front of those kids? And I want to see the wind. I want to see the fire. Can we see the fire? I want to see the wind. Can you see the fire? I mean, in Acts chapter 2, said the Holy Spirit come like a mighty rushing wind. And he come like fire, tongues of fire. I said, if you did it then, you can do it now. Can I have that? For four hours of prayer, all I prayed for four hours. Can I see that? I want to see the wind. I want to see the fire. Can I see the wind? Can I see the fire? Can I see the wind? Fire. I'm sure the Lord finally said, just give it to him so the guy shut up, you know. And so uh, that night, uh, I get there to talk to the youth. And guess how many kids are there? Almost 100 kids. And they had to move it from the youth room into the gymnasium. And there was supposed to be 15 kids. And I get there, and I'm shaking like this. I don't know what to say. And uh, have a wire on the mic so I could even move around and get rid of some of my uh, anxious and nerves and stuff. And I sat there, and I start talking about how I, the only thing I kept on saying was, if you have sin in your life, you will go to hell, 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 like that. And so... I didn't know what else to say because that's what I was still living. Every time they had an altar call, I'd run down the front to make sure. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so uh, I started saying that. And a kid at the very back took and he, he just got kicked out of school for fighting and knifing a guy. And he had took his chair and he threw his metal chair like that. And he starts moving towards me, man. This kid is coming towards me. And I knew who he was. And I'm thinking, I am not turning no other cheek, man. I'm protecting myself. And so the more he come towards me and the more I'd get more nervous. And I started screaming right at him and didn't even realize it. I said, yeah, that's right. You'll go to hell like that. And just I mean, he was moving intensely towards me. And I was thinking, man, I am protecting myself when this guy jumps on me. And he's, he gets about, about five foot from me and he lunges for me. And he did it so quick I didn't even have a chance to protect myself. And he literally grabbed me in this bear hug and he pinned the mic right against my chest like that. He goes, yeah, I got sin in my life. And he starts saying the sin. He says, I want to get rid of the sin. And I, the, it hits me and I'm going, me too. I just want to get rid of all this sin in my life. And we both fall down the gym floor, and for the next 10 minutes, we're both crying, confessing sin. Yeah, and I go like this. I go, uh, I'm thinking, oh, I'm supposed to be speaking. So I get up to get my composure, and I looked, and all the, about half the chairs are empty. I'm thinking, oh, I, drew, I made all them kids leave. And I turned around, I heard a bunch of <laughs> crying and stuff, and I looked behind me, and almost half the kids responded and got born again that night. <laughs> Revival hit. And it was awesome because a pastor's wife, they were having a little ladies' prayer thing across in the chapel. She walked into the gymnasium and goes, oh, the glory! A Baptist preacher, pastor's wife said that. And she left and she went over and told him, the fire of God just hit the gymnasium. And for the next six weeks, revival run rampant through our city and regions and hundreds of kids got born again. How many want to see the fire and the wind? Amen? Come on, how many see the harvest? It was so supernatural. It was funny because that night when all those kids responded to, the, to get born again, the pastor was standing in the back. You know what he did to me? He goes, I went like this. I didn't know even how to lead these guys to the Lord. I go, because I didn't know what to do with all these crying kids. I went, and you know what he did? He went, I went, because he knew that the Lord had responded to my prayer. 
But ever since that day, I, I'm telling you, I believe in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul says. I'm not coming to you with just another message. I don't want just another message. I don't, philosophy's not going to change you. Tradition won't change you. It won't help you. Intellectual messages and homiletics are great as long as they're anointed. But if they're emotion, they're not going to do anything but touch your flesh. And flesh on flesh never changes anybody. It's called conformity. And the scripture literally says, don't be conformed, but be transformed. And only the Lord can transform you. So Paul's saying, I am well educated. I can put together a great message that will make you feel good, but it won't do you any good. So I'm not coming to you in man's persuasive wisdom or manipulation or great words that sound good, but I'm coming to you much trembling because I'm going to rely on my preaching to only come forth with demonstrations of the spirit and power that there be evidence, what's the evidence, that your life will be impacted by the message that he releases. Now, this is very powerful because that from that day on, I was so accepted in the Baptist circle that other churches began to invite me in. They didn't understand me. I would have deacons and elders and pastors say, we don't understand you, but we cannot deny the evidence of your life. How many want people to see the evidence of God in your life? Come on, how many want God to see evidence in your life not just what you're saying but what God's doing come on give somebody I like the pastor he's my kind of pastor I like high fives give somebody a high five man come on everybody give somebody a high five I love high fives man. I only got a few more minutes but I feel like this message is Important for this morning. That's why the Lord has me here. There's always a reason why the Lord has you here in this. But he goes on to say something very powerful. Paul's going after something more than just the movement of the power. We should see power in our churches. We should see people get saved. We should see people get healed. We should see lives uh, changed. We should see marriages reconciled. We should see demons flee. We should see oppressed people set free. We should see incredible things take place because of the power of God. But Paul wasn't just going after power. He said, also, I'm looking for evidence, demonstration of the Spirit. And then he goes on to say in verse 10, verse 9, he said, there's things God has prepared for you that your natural mind, your natural ear, and your natural eye can never perceive because it can't come naturally. But the Holy Spirit, verse 10, will search them out and reveal them to you. How many of you know that God, who God, has things for you that you still don't know about? How many want everything that God has prepared for you? And he says the Holy Spirit will reveal them to you. I don't know about you, but I love Holy Ghost downloads, don't you? The word, but listen what he goes on to say. It's amazing. If you would go, uh, I want to because of time. Go to verse twelve. Verse twelve. Look at this. I'm going to show you something here. What Paul's going after here is bringing people through the preaching of the word of what the ministry of the Holy Spirit to bring people into spiritual understanding, not information understanding, but the Holy Spirit beginning to bring understanding that the Lord has more for you, and he's looking for the download of wisdom. Wisdom can only come from God. Only truth of the scripture can be revealed by God himself, and that's why you need the Holy Spirit because he's God, and only God can reveal God. God thanks to you. Amen. Only God can reveal God thanks to you. 
So Paul says, I'm coming because I want to, there's going to be a fresh flow of the Holy Spirit within you that's going to open up the depth of the scripture and release a wisdom to you. You know what the wisdom is? Uh, everything that Jesus did for you on the cross, you will begin to enjoy. Look at this. We, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by who? God. How many want to know everything he's already given you? But God's people are destroyed because of the lack of knowledge, the scripture said. That's why Paul says, I'm going after something that's spiritual and not natural. I'm going after something in such a way that you'll come into everything that the Lord has provided for you. Now, it's interesting because we realize in Ephesians chapter 1 that every believer, when you get born again and you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, because of the blood of Jesus, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit comes within you. You're sealed with his Holy Spirit, Emmanuel, God with us. But then we know in Acts chapter 2, there is what is called the power of the Holy Spirit, separate from the indwelling. And then we know there's the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And those are not your doing, but Holy Spirit operating through you. And you're to desire and learn how to surrender your will for him to flow through your life. I know you guys know all that. You agree with that? Give me a wave if you agree with all that. But how did Jesus say for you to know the Holy Spirit? I think we should listen to what Jesus says. How about you? Let's look for just one minute. I have just about five more minutes. I can cover a lot. You may not understand everything I say, but I'll get it out there. If you would, let's see what Jesus said. Go to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. And let's see what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. And this is what he said, beginning in verse 37. On that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cry down, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Verse 38, he who believes in me. Anybody here believe in Jesus? If you believe in Jesus, raise my hand. Raise your hand because this means you. Tell your neighbor you. So if you believe in Jesus, he's talking to you. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, innermost being, will what flow what? Come on, everybody say it with me. Everybody say rivers. And then he, we, don't even, we can see that he brings definition to the rivers because he said, but he, this he spoke of concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus said, you and I should know the Holy Spirit as rivers. It's right there. Red letter edition. So when you go back to Paul, Paul was literally so full of zeal when he got first saved, he had to be literally taken out into the desert and taught of the Lord. Did you know that? He was literally in, in Ephesians 3, 7. He said, the things that I have, I did not get from flesh and blood, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul's coming to in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. He's not just going after the dunamis power of God. Many times we want to see the power of God. I want to see the power of God. How many want to see the power of God? I love seeing the power of God. What's the power of God? Where God's power invades the natural realm or the anointing. But he wasn't just going after the power. He said, also, I want to see demonstrations of the Spirit. And those are Isaiah 11:2. You sung a song today, let the heavens open and let your Spirit come upon us. We receive your Holy Spirit. That is exactly scripturally 
right in that song. Because in Mark 1.10, when Jesus came up out of the water, and the only reason he got baptized wasn't because he was a sinner, but he fulfilled Leviticus' law. And when Leviticus' law, he was fulfilling when he turned 30 years old so he could be given all authority to make you a king and a priest in the kingdom. That's what he did. He took it all back and set it back right in the intent of the Father because the Father never intended to have tribes. He had a company or a kingdom, a kings and priests. So when Jesus come up out of the water, guess who come upon Jesus? It says in Mark 1.10, Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. How much of the Holy Spirit? Without measure. How many glad that you don't have a little teeny bitty bitty piece of the Holy Spirit, but you have received the whole Holy Spirit? Come and tell your neighbor you got the whole Holy Spirit. But are you operating now what he all brings? See, and what, what Paul's teaching here is super, very powerful because he's teaching the rivers, which is Isaiah 11.2. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me or in me. And because of the Holy Spirit, the river releases rivers for me. See, the gifts are for others. The power is for others, but the rivers are for you. It's different. Because the, we're supposed to live in the river. That's why Paul prayed in Ephesians 1.17, by the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He didn't say by the gift of, spirit, of wisdom and revelation. He said the spirit. And when he talks about the spirit, he's talking about perpetual, constant flow. How many want to increase in God's wisdom Revelation, counsel, strength, knowledge that creates a deep, deep delight in honoring the Lord. That's Isaiah 11 too. The rivers of the Holy Spirit. Wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and a fear of the Lord. Jesus ministered this way, lived this way. I'm going to close with this. And that's what's available for every believer. I love Matthew 13. <laughs> I love the whole Bible. <laughs> but Matthew 13 it says something that you've been given a privilege. How many want every privilege that God's given you and you want to take advantage of every privilege? Guess what he says he's given you a privilege of? Eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart of understanding. Not everybody has that privilege. He says it in Matthew 13 very clearly. There are those whose hearts don't hear, don't understand. Their eyes see, but they don't see. Ears are open, but they don't hear. What? Spiritual truth. Spiritual truth. But he said, blessed are you because you've been blessed with spiritual eyes, spiritual ears, and a spiritual heart. Isn't it amazing? How many have ever read Matthew 13, 23 about the seed that's sowing and that when it finds good ground, it finds also, when it finds good ground, it also finds understanding. And it says 30, 60, and 100 unfolding. How many have ever read that scripture? It's not talking about money there. It's actually talking about the word. He said the seed is like word.
he understood that the traditions of man the traditions of man the philosophies of men he even warns about it don't be cheated because they just rip you off that's not the way you learn Christ and he wants you to fully operate in the fullness of what's already been given to you the victory of the cross I'll close with this if I had a balloon up here today, a big balloon, my kids, my grandkids love balloons, but they pop them things, and they always pop them at the wrong time, you know what I mean? You go, whoa! But the balloon, if the balloon was this big, and let's say that balloon was completely full of air, and that represented the Holy Spirit, and your spirit was the size of this, and you filled the balloon with that much of the circle, and it would still be the fullness of the balloon filled the circle of the, of the circumference of the circle, but there would still be more, but it would still be full of the Holy Spirit, but it wouldn't be out of the fullness of all he is. Is, but it's still filling. But as the circle is enlarged, the balloon begins to fill the all in all. How many of y'all know that we're to grow in our stature in Christ Jesus, in our inner person, be as strengthened, enlarged, that we fully operate as is the head, so will be the body to function out of the fullness that flows every day for you and I, called the river of God's presence. How many are willing to say today, I'm ready for enlargement? Tell your neighbor, harvest. There's going to be a harvest beyond anything we be free. We won't have to look back in history. We'll be talking about what's happening now. There's something happening, something taking place in our nation right now. And I know the elections and so forth, those are great. But it happened even before that. There's a fresh a call from the throne of God. And he's saying, come up here. Don't live here no more because this is not where you're seated anymore. You're seated with me in heavenly places with every spiritual blessing, and I'm going to use your life to reveal my glory. The glory of the Lord shall be known all through the earth. If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet, and I'm going to pray for you right now. I'm going to pray for you. And tell your neighbor, rivers. Come on, tell your neighbor, rivers. And what are the river? First, without the river, there's no streams. And I know Rodney Howard Brown in Florida made it very popular for the rivers of God, joy and so forth. But the rivers he's talking about, he said real clear, are the Holy Spirit, the flow of the Holy Spirit, which is Isaiah 11:2. Because of the Spirit of God, you can live in perpetual wisdom, understanding, God's counsel for your life, the might of God to strengthen you, to empower you, you can live where you go from glory to glory in the knowledge of God. And there, as a result, you'll have a deep, deep honor that you'll want to live your life, not out of doings and don'ts, but out of a deep love for the Father of your life to put on display the nature of your Father. That's what Jesus did. Everywhere he went, everywhere he went, he revealed what it really looked like what our Father looked like, what our Father does. The Lord wants to take every limitation off your life 
that you believe for the unlimited realm of God because that's what's been made available to you by the blood of Jesus Christ. The victory of the cross is more than salvation. That was the beginning point of so much more. Don't stay on the outer edges looking in from the foyer in to so much more. Go from glory to glory in the Lord. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you for each and every one of these precious people. This is the reason why you're here this morning. Father God, thank you for the blessing of your presence. We are rich people. We are truly rich with the riches of your presence. You are the most valuable, precious gift we could ever receive. And with you, you also bring your kingdom, the reality of the kingdom, to be operated and demonstrated in our life, for our life, and through our life. Thank you, Father God, that every limitation is lifted off. Thank you for a fresh anointing of the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of the Lord that will cause you to have such hope in your calling that you will receive all your inheritance in the body and you'll operate and live out of the the mighty power of God, so powerful that it seated Jesus on the right-hand side of the Father. If you say amen to that, give the Lord a shout. Come on. Uh, Some of you, am I on? Yeah, there we go. Somebody muted me. Don't mute the pastor. That's a bad thing, right? Anyway, um, so we're going to dismiss. I'm going to pray over you. But um, also, but what we're going to do here at the end is uh, we're going to make a little prayer line. And Keith's just going to do a little impartation over you. So he's just going to lay hands on you and just do a little fresh release over your life. And he may give you may share a word or may share a declaration over your life as well. So um, you say, well, what's this all about? Because I know it's uh, some... In Miami, we have Christians from all different perspectives. And we have Christians who have no perspective at all. And it's just the truth. It's one of the foundational doctrines of our faith. If you look in the book of Hebrews, it tells us what the elementary foundations of our faith are. And one of them is the ministry of the laying on of hands. And so what the ministry of the laying on of hands is, is it's a transference. It's an ability to receive freshly from the Lord from the person who's laying hands upon you and imparting upon you. Every Christian carries the Spirit of God. And every Christian carries anointing and power to do a work or to do a deed. We're created for Christ Jesus for good work. So you carry something. And when somebody comes to minister, there's two things that happen. Number one, there's an anointing or a presence in the room. And so the person bringing the, bringing, bringing the word, there's a presence that comes upon the word. So when he's laying hands on you, it's a releasing of the presence that's in the room. It's also a releasing of what you need. Sometimes you don't even know what you need. And so we say, what do I do? You just, you just receive, man, and let Jesus do what he do, right? And then the, then the third thing that happens is you receive what the person carries, you know? And different people carry different anointings for different things and for different seasons, Right? And what, one of the things Keith prayed over me, we went to the thing, it was awesome, prayed over me. And I, and I, and I always, when people pray over me and I let them, let them pray over me, I just receive from them. I always try to discern what it is that I'm being imparted to me. Sometimes I can't figure it out. But with Keith, I kept feeling cool buzz, man. Cool buzz. And so there's a refreshing that he carries and there's a refreshing that he releases. And some of you, you need a refreshing. You know, you just need to be refreshed. So I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to bless you. If you have to leave, we understand. If you would just do so quietly. There's also a resource table over here of all of Keith's stuff. You can check that out and uh, purchase anything you'd like. If you do that, please do that quietly as well. Because we really wanted to budget a little bit of time for ministry. All right? So let me pray over you and we bless you. And listen to me. Listen to me. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to confront all the religiosity, religiosity in the room. Don't be too holy for a blessing. Just say that with me. 
I will not be too holy for a blessing. You know what I mean? We get all religious and, oh, I don't need prayer. Of course not. No, I'm holy. All things right. I don't understand it. Well, who cares if you understand it? It's a mystery. It's beyond your knowledge. His ways are not your ways and his thoughts are not your thoughts. So what am I supposed to do when he's praying over me? If he releases over you, just receive, man. Just receive. Just let Jesus impart something to you. All right? So let me pray. We'll dismiss because I know uh, Keith's got to run. He's got to catch a plane. But on his way out the door, I wanted him to impart something to you. Samuel says, far be it for me that I should sin against the Lord by not praying for you. Hmm? Paul says, I long to be with you that I might impart something to you. So let me bless you, and then I'm going to turn it back over to Keith, and we're going to just kind of, and like say, well, everybody's crowding up. Well, then stand too deep. You know, we'll move the chairs back. You know, whatever. It's all good. Don't worry about it. Right? It's informal. So I told Keith, you can do no wrong. It's informal here. So there's, there's, there's nothing you can step on this. You know, it's, it's all good. So let me bless you. Then we're going to turn it right back over. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May he cause his face to shine down upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. In Jesus' name. And may you forever live in his favor. Amen. So he's going to direct it from here. If you need to leave, please do so quietly and respectfully. And, you, and all, all's good. But if you need prayer, he's going to take it.